everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wrist Cheese Radio Podcast, your place for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy. You guys know him. You love him. Mr. Bro Dinky. What's going on, my friend? Schmidt, what's good, bud? Uh, having a nice little weekend. Worked pretty late last night, but okay. thanks to that, I wound up with a little day off today. We had a half day, so... The boss was kind enough with the busy week coming up and everything. Said, why don't you take tomorrow, which is good because I got two little sick guys. So I haven't been getting a lot of sleep and my shoulder is killing me from carrying children around because they're uh, they're grown boys. And now that they're both up above like the 30 pound mark. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I just threw like a nine inning game and it's not not good. Not good. But I'm alive. I'm here. I'm ready to record. Um yeah, and uh, I might even have a little NWA on the way, which would be nice. Uh-oh. Yeah, nothing nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Just a, a fun little something that I've always had my eye on that popped up at a good price. So we'll see uh, We'll see if it's it's a legit situation when it when it arrives. But uh, keep an eye out for that. How's everything on your end? Oh, it's good, man. Um, wife's doing good. Baby's doing good. Did some uh, some holiday decorations uh, today. So before Christmas? on... <laughs> Yeah, before we jumped on to record this, it's all Christmas at my house right now, so everything's kind of everywhere, but uh, really fun. Kids, uh, you know, number one is is more in the spirit this year. She's more aware of what's going on, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so she's getting more excited about seeing Santa and all that stuff, so uh, can't wait for that. It's and even fun. better, now you can use the, the old Santa threat, right? Santa's always watching. Oh, yeah. Whenever they throw in a tam- temper tantrum, Santa's watching, kid. Don't mess oh. this up. Don't mess oh, up yeah. this this year's and presents. Now, and now this year we have the elf on the shelf. Oh, now, me too. Further, yeah. further reinforce the uh, <laughs> the Santaness. So I can't wait for that. So we'll see how it goes. It's hiding in my in my office closet right now, but I'm gonna pull them out and uh, we'll see what uh, what that is. Very good, very good. Okay, uh, as we do on the show, we'll kick off with some new releases. And I guess going back to last week where I knew nothing about any of those releases, I'm going to keep going with that. And I've never heard of this <laughs> brand, but, but this was a decent, uh, neat little release that I, I came across. It's the Excelsior Park yes. EP5003 chronograph. I originally came across this because at first I thought it was a, actually a Nevada because they, yeah. they do these with a funny little secondhand sometimes on them. With I think they had like a wasn't a pac-man it was a pixelated character like a jellyfish or something on one of their depth masters i think but they do stuff like this so i thought maybe it was a nevada but it's this brand excelsior park and i guess this is a collaboration with uh now pardon me here monsieur romaret andre i don't know who that is but apparently he's rather famous and he's an artist and he he's also known for whatever the heck seconda seconda is i don't know what that is either i'm sure you do uh no man no I, then i really yeah i really don't look if the schmidt doesn't know it doesn't exist as far as i'm concerned <laughs> anyway apparently he's a very famous designer and he does these limited collabs with companies and so he did this with them this is called he's got it as the out of the park and instead of excelsior park and i guess the inspiration behind it was he took the name excelsior meaning above and he the name park and he he likened it to baseball and said well if it's i see up above the park it's out of the park and so that's why it's got a little it looks like they they taped over the name and it says out of the park instead of excelsior park on the dial okay um cool little watch 39 mils by 13 thick okay for, so that's right in your specs yeah not bad at all uh sw 510 movement 
2100 bucks. Okay. All right. So not cheap. I guess you're really going to want it if you're going after it. And it's also yeah. a limited edition of 30 pieces. And I think it went on sale today, if I'm not mistaken. This is, is we're this recording a... Sunday. Yeah, yeah. We're recording Sunday. So this is a baseball motif. Yeah. Not cricket, right? I saw first I saw the the hand and I thought it was a, a, an homage to vintage video games. I thought that was a sword. Okay, that was that's Zelda what I thought sword. first. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought first. I thought it was a Zelda sword. And then I saw next not. to it. Okay, that's clearly a baseball, even though yeah. it kind of reads Mario Mushroom to me. But fine. Yes. <laughs> but so yeah, it's it does also look like a cricket bat. The, I I did read an article about it where somebody said that might be like a sort of backhanded slap in some way, shape, or form. I'm not really buying that, but I yeah. It I guess it's a baseball bat and. The okay. register to the right of it is the baseball. It's a 30-minute chrono, I believe. Cool little package. Interesting motif. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I Obviously, I, I don't chase things like this, even though I love retro video games and pixelated fun. Yeah, you know, this is... So, like, Nevada's really the one that kind of started this whole thing. And I think even uh, even Moser jumped in on something very similar. I could to this. see them doing that. Yeah, and I think it was like a limited edition. If, I'm, if my memory is serving me correctly, somebody will will comment me uh, comment on it if I'm wrong in the chat, but um, or the comments I should say. But uh, this feels very Nevada to me. I don't know if I'm running out to buy one. I'm sure somebody who is a baseball fan or lover will will like it. It just it feels very for me. It feels very, I don't know. I, I don't think force is the right word, but falls flat. I, just, I don't know why I would buy this. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm getting at. I don't know why. I would, and I like baseball. I agree. I I'm a baseball, baseball fan as well. Yeah, but I don't know why I would want to buy this because nowhere in my in my life I'm like, you know what? I'm going to Wrigley today, or I'm going to go to Met Stadium, or you know, the Yankees Stadium. And I'm going to wear this. You know what I mean? Like, it seems kind of like a novelty thing. But, you know, look, somebody's going to buy it. It's an LE. All these LEs today, they all sell out. It's, you know, one of those things It just, they're always going to move products. So it's for somebody, I guess. Yeah, I guess so, too. And I'm a rather big baseball fan. Like, I grew up playing baseball my whole life. I... I'm still outraged that the comment section on Hodinkee when they wrote that article with uh, referring to Shohei Otani and everybody's like, who the heck is that? I was, yeah. I'm still disgusted by the comment section. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, I, even me, I'm not, not really running out to grab this one. I don't know. It's yeah. not a bad looking watch. It's no, just, it's not. It, it just, and, it and, does feel weird. It feels and weird. And this is, I guess, from what I've been, because like you, I didn't really know much about this brand. I guess Fortel has uh, written a few articles on them over the last year or so, um, but not anything that caught my attention because honestly, I would have saw this and went like, that's a vintage watch and just kept scrolling. Right. You know, for me. So I think if you're looking for a watch, it feels very, very vintage, especially given the specs, this is that. And, you know, according to, to the articles and just my kind of cursory glance, this was an established brand that has like a vintage following. Uh, Excelsior Park was doing some other stuff it's an interesting name but apparently it was a very established brand at one point 
and uh, they made movements before. So I guess somebody kind of is relaunching them, is what I'm understanding. Okay. So it's kind of like that Doxa, you know, yeah, that kind yeah, of we like talk about that a lot. Exactly. So they're but they're focusing on you know like manual wine, kind of that by compacts type of look. Sure. For Chrono. And I guess this guy, he mods vintage watches normally. So I guess this collab comes full circle a little bit. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah. Next up, Tag Hoyer dropping a chrono in solid 18 karat gold, the black and gold Carrera. This is the 42 millimeter version, not the gigantic 44. So I guess good start there. Yep. Um, allegedly a tribute to uh, Formula One legend Ayrton Senna. Oh, yeah, 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 Senna. So he apparently drove this Lotus. It was the 98T, and I guess it must have had some sort of a similar color motif. I'm not a big F1 person. I know a, I know who the bigger players are, like Hamilton and people like that, but I, I don't really – I don't watch every race or anything. You know, it, it intrigues me, but I'm not – uh, a super fan or anything. So apparently this is a nod to him and his car. Uh, it's got the Hoyer caliber zero two comes in around $20,000 for a gold watch. I guess that would be expected, right? Yeah. That's, that's a pretty average price point for, yeah. For I don't, I don't think that's gold. outrageous for solid gold. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who's buying it. I guess if you're a huge fan of his or a huge fan of tag Hoyer and you want something flashy, you go nuts. I, yeah, I think I think this is that. I mean, this is a you know, for most people that are buying Hoyers, this is a little bit outside of their price point. But I think you know, Tag is really starting to celebrate a lot of stuff. Maybe they're move, making some upmarket moves in some respects, and you know, this is kind of an anniversary type thing. You know, why not do something that's that's a little bit more special? Especially for for such a prominent F one driver like like Senna, um, that guy was very very famous in his day. Did a lot of incredible racing, you know. Did a lot of wins, you know. He this was like, bad, I think. Yeah, he he's like the guy. So if you think about all the people that you would know from F one, like right now, everyone knows Lewis Hamilton, right? right? Back in the day, everyone knew Michael Schumacher, right? Kimi Raikkonen. There's a few guys that are kind of yeah. quintessential names that even someone like myself and like yourself that knows nothing about formula one right. max for staff. Like, yeah, and, that, exactly. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I know that guy's name. Right. Um, Senna was that guy, but he was, I think, and again, somebody's going to correct me in the comments. I think he was in um, like the seventies and eighties because I think the original marketing with him was with the original formula ones. Like, the, yeah, he was a Hoyer ambassador as well, which is kind of also neat. Exactly. So I think those uh, those watches were kind of his shtick, and that's where the Formula One collection really launched for Tag. And I think that that's why it was so successful, is because it was marketed with him as like the ambassador focus for the brand. Makes perfect time. sense. Yeah, it's you see how many of those teal IWC chronos they sold. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> I was seeing pictures from racing events where you would just see people's hands in the stands like reaching upwards and there was just a bunch of them just on everybody's wrist and I was like wow, IWC just cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's 
I mean, they're so engrossed with it. And how could you not be a Formula One fan? I mean, IWC is, is the car, of, you know, of Lewis Hamilton, right? Like it, it it's a the watch of Lewis Hamilton. So I mean, right, and that even has I forget the name of the Mercedes that little three pointed emblem, but it has a bunch of those on it. Like there's there's all the tie ins. So I could I could totally see why people go after that. And it's a handsome watch. I honestly really like it. Yeah. Yeah, so so Senna he drove the Formula One car was, um, and it was the Marlboro car. It was a classic red and black and white Marlboro car. Interesting for Formula One. Yeah, very interesting. There's so many documentaries and things about him. He he's like one of the greats of the greats. You know, um, he was Brazilian. Yep. Yep. Uh, next up, I believe you got one. Uh, that. Sweet little Movado. I know. Not a name you hear often on this show. Movado bringing the heat. What do you got for us there? So this is a new watch from Movado, uh, which is very interesting because we would not normally talk about a fashion watch brand on this. But recently, Movado did like an exclusive sell recreation that's, from what I understand, only available online. But they recreated their vintage Chrono Divers from the 1960s, 1970s. And the name's a little bit long, but it's the Movado Alta, A-L-T-A, Super Sub C Automatic. So this is a little bit large, but it's 43 millimeter. It's a vintage-inspired chrono diver with the original retro Movado logo. It has an automatic chronograph movement. I don't know which movement it's based off of, but it does come with a 62-hour power reserve. It has a ceramic bezel with a diving scale on it. There's two variations. There's a black dial with a black ceramic bezel. And then my favorite, which is the white dial Panda with blue subdials on the chrono registers and then a blue ceramic bezel ring. And what's interesting about this watch, it's expensive. It's $3,995 US, but it comes in 904L stainless steel for both the case and the bracelet. It looks really good. Not a watch I would have ever expected from Movado to release. But I kind of want one. Now, at $4,000, I don't know if I'm rushing out to get one. But, guys, it looks it looks pretty good. And I can imagine this on a nice navy blue tropic. Uh, I think they got something here. I think they got something here. Yeah, this kind of looks like the newer Timex Q Chrono on steroids. Yeah, it looks really good. And it does. meters water resistant. Like, it's a diver's chrono. Yeah, you had me at diver chrono. And it looks like they got some polished center links going on here. Yeah, it's so- polished center links, chamfered lugs. Again, you know, it's Movado, so I don't know how, like, precise and sharp the finishing is going to be. Again, I haven't seen this watch in person. But they're really trying to do something different here. It's got a little bit of Fotina on the on the dial, which yep. I don't mind. I think it looks really good. You know, you have some nice radial subdial uh, engravings on the chrono subdials. So there's a lot of visual interest here. And right now, I don't think that there's really a watch on the market from a contemporary brand that really looks like this, especially riffing those vintage diver chronos. I, I really haven't seen anything like this in a while. And the only time I've ever seen them are the original vintage Movado Diver Chronos that I see pop up on eBay or or things like that. So this is kind of cool. They brought it back. The only hang up for me is going to be the size at 43. But, you know, from the photos, it looks like it wears pretty small. 
Uh, the lug to lug doesn't look too terribly long, so I don't think it would be that much of an issue. Yeah, and I've seen. I mean, at one point, Movado was considered a, a more, I don't want to say a more legitimate player, but from no, they a, were a more from, luxury brand from at one our point, perspective, sure. they were a respected horology house, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you see the, the vintage ones go for good money on the secondary market. Like I, I, yeah. I troll a lot of vintage websites just for fun once in a while to see what's out there. And I'll see old Movado Kronos and they go for good amounts of money, several thousand dollars. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're in demand, sure. which is, I guess, it's cool. You know, I mean, it's cool to see things from the past that were sort of bigger than what they are today. And I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Movado became what they are. They're they still sell it on watches. I know they. I think they bought MVMT, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I think actually, yeah, Movado Group acquired MVMT. Yeah. Uh, so movement uh, is part of them, but they're doing something different. I don't like that. Uh, now, a lot of the stuff is going to be, of course, fashion oriented. This is a fashion watch brand. They had their museum watch that was kind of the one that everyone knows, the very Spartan black dial with just a giant sphere at 12 o'clock. And that kind of built their entire collection. Yeah, that's the, what they the sell signature, today. signature look of when you say Movado, right? Exactly. But what's interesting is I've been looking at their website since I saw this, this Altus uh, subsea. They've been doing a lot more stuff that is mechanical driven, um, which is very interesting. And even some of these new museum pieces are coming in automatic. Like I can get one right now on a leather strap with the classic, you know, Sphere at 12, a date. And it's 895 bucks for, a, for an automatic. Which, you know, I think every collector does need some watch like this in their collection, you know, that very quintessential classic cocktail piece. It's elegant. It's extremely elegant. But for me, if I was ever going to buy one, it would only be a mechanical version because I think sure. that's where it really hits. But the fact that they're doing that now and they're going back to mechanical movements, it's it's kind of impressive. And for me, there's, there's certain watches that I think everyone should own, right? Like you look at like a Cartier tank. Right? Like that's a watch everyone should own, but I hate the fact that the majority of tanks are not mechanical; they're quartz. Yeah. For me, at under a thousand dollars for something like this, even you know thirty-eight, forty millimeters with a mechanical movement, that's cool. I think there's something very, very uh, statement worthy about that. So, I'm glad they're doing it. I think it's cool. I'd buy a mechanical Movado. I ain't afraid to say it. Now, as we usually say on the show, you know, more is better. We like that. And, you know, looking for different stuff. I want to go to the meetup and, and have something different that people haven't seen before. True that. Uh, last up for new releases, Patek Philippe put out. Bringing, bringing fire. <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> Big fire. Big fire. Uh, a pair of 5271s. 5271-11P, 5271-12P. The distinction here is that these are red and blue and they are encrusted around the entire outer bezel of the watch in either sapphire or ruby. Yeah. So these are quite blingy. Um, I'm usually not a big gem set person, but I think these are pretty handsome watches. Uh, they have... Uh, Patek Philippe signature caliber, hand wound movement, column wheel with a 
horizontal clutch, by the way, not a vertical clutch, which is interesting, <laughs> and a uh, perpetual calendar module on top. Uh, pretty neat, though. Honestly, very clean watches. You get a moon phase at six. You get a day, a date, day-night indicator. Um, you get pretty much everything you could ask for. <laughs> I mean, the price tag also kind of says yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. There, there is that, too. There's, you, there's like you are paying for that. I, I do believe it's $328,000 if you yeah. got that on deck. But they're very handsome. You get like a midnight blue and a very fiery red. Gradient dials. Uh, just neat. Neat all around. Obviously not really up our up our alley but fun to fun to dream about oh i mean look you you, you call beauty where beauty is is there and and certainly these are incredibly well-built watches they're aesthetically gorgeous you know they're i love the red motif i love the blue motif there's certainly a very fiery you know idea behind the design of these watches and it's a little bit it's a little bit more of a of a statement for Patek than what they normally put out because you can see some watches like this uh, that come out, but they're usually for like very high profile collectors or Arab shakes or you know stuff like that, right? You know, dignitaries, you know, people that have that kind of money, and it's cool to see that these are being advertised a little bit more on the forefront. But regardless, heavy hitter for Patek. Not something that I'm gonna run out to get because I can't afford it. But uh <laughs> trade you know my house. But you know what? <laughs> Somebody out there will, and I think it's an amazing watch for you to pick up if you have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, agreed on that. Very, very cool. And uh I'm getting a bit of let me uh date myself here. I'm getting a bit of Pokemon red and blue vibes here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't think I don't think uh uh Material or uh, not? Uh, what's the guy that runs Patek these days? I can never remember his name. Oh, I don't know. No, I do know. I have him in a meme somewhere. I can't remember his name. Anyway, somebody's gonna man. I, I'm gonna just get blown up in the comments this week. But you know what? Somebody uh, will will comment on it. But you know what? I don't think he ever envisioned his masterclass timepieces ever being compared to Pokemon. Is it Philippe Stern? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say Thierry Stern, but that's somebody different. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. He's in there, too. President, honorary president, and Claude Penny, or whatever, CEO. Okay. Either way, I'm not really that involved in, in high-end horology brands that I'm never going to be able to afford. So <laughs> just a fun couple of watches. And, uh, you know, there you go. There you, you go. Know, take me back to the eighth grade. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Speaking of eighth grade, that'll be a good segue into our topic here. Uh, so we're going uh, sort of back in time mentally here. And I guess I'll let you introduce the topic because we kind of ran with something that you've been involved with lately. So why don't you take it away? Yeah. So recently, and, and, and you know, maybe they listen to the podcast, maybe they don't. But um, recently, I've kind of gotten roped into good friends of mine finally getting the watch bug after all the years that i've tried to push and chip away and try to get them excited about urology and, and and watches it looks like it finally happened and it's kind of interesting for me because i've been you know a collector for many many years and i wouldn't say i'm a seasoned collector but i've been a collector for many years i've been an enthusiast for many many years and i've seen myself go through you know, watch collecting. And it's really interesting to be looking at it with fresh eyes again from somebody's perspective that's just getting into the hobby. 
And going from that moment of excitement all the way through the purchasing transaction phase, being able to relive that with friends of mine who this is their first time experience doing it is kind of interesting. And it's taking me back to those days where we've talked about before on the pod where you just, you're so innocent and you just don't realize like what you're getting into. So, you know, when I kind of proposed this topic tonight, I was, I was focusing on, you know, what is it like to go through that process again? How does it happen? And kind of what are the stages of getting into the watch, the watch game and, and ending up with your, with your first purchase? Yeah. And I can remember I was in the shoes of your friends and the, the two friends of mine who joined me, I don't know, probably 20 episodes back now, they were the ones who sort of pushed me along. And I, I just remember going from, is this, is this a thing I could be a, a part of right like am i gonna am i gonna commit to this that's the right. biggest that's the right. first step right and we we joked about before the show we joked about it being the hook yeah right? it's something's, the hook. something has to catch you something's got to get your juice your juices flowing right and in this case for me it was my friends but there's i mean how many movies are based around loosely i'm not going to say it's the the watch is the plot of the movie but it's clearly showcased in the movie right yeah your yeah. apollo 13 right your um interstellar yep transporter right? you know like all these different movies where you go where back you to see a watch that's a focus piece right and then you go back to the steve mcqueens and the paul newmans right and you now all right now my juices are flowing i these are cool guys i'm in right yeah yeah that's and i think that's probably why tag hoyer decided with to go with the guys yeah in this age i figure enough people know who he is and now he he has the I, I think he has the ear of the younger generation so that would make sense and i feel like people who are already into tag hoyer you, you don't need to hook them anyway so i feel like the guys from that perspective was probably a good pick so the hook is set and then from there, what do you do? For me, I've, I remember I went on, I made a forum login and I just went up and down the sales forum and the topics and looked at every single watch on the internet, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I think once you have whatever impetus is going to get you started, whether it's a hook, whether it's a movie, an activation, an advertisement, whatever gets you excited to jump in and start really figuring stuff out, you know, it's going to happen for me. It was, you know, it was the first watch that I really loved. I found something that I liked. It was gifted to me for, for a holiday. And ever since that point in time, I've, I've never been able to take a watch on because I found something that I really, really truly loved. I saw it in a window and it was like that kid on Christmas moment where you just knew you had to have it, you know? And, and when you finally get it, it's like, okay, it clicks. This is what I want. Right. And uh, I think the next step is is you get all the excitement built up and then you have to funnel that excitement into something and it usually culminates in research, I think. I think you start diving down the rabbit hole. You mentioned the forums. I myself was that same way. I was thirsting for information. And so I wanted to find out as much about what I was interested in as possible because nobody I knew was into this thing. 
And I think for so many collectors, that's also the biggest hurdle is you find something that's very cool and you don't have anybody to share it with. Right. You know? And so sometimes it can be kind of a lonely journey. Like, is this kind of stupid or is this something that I want to do or what, what's going on? How do I find out information? And so, you know, you do make a forum account, you jump onto the internet, you do all these crazy things. For me, the, the other big thing I did is I would go to stores and try to find out information from, from people, you know, as much as I could. And that was, especially back then, I was a little bit of a fool's errand, but, uh, <laughs> You know, it was, it was interesting because I, I got to see, you know, how things would work out. Sure. And we talk all the time about our experience with the Bond Seamaster popping up in GoldenEye, the video oh, yeah. game, right? So, yeah. I mean, I was indoctrinated from, what was that, sixth grade, right? I was oh, like, this sure. is a cool watch, right? And then you realize, oh, James James Bond wore a cool watch. Yeah. Can I wear a that very watch? Cool watch? I can wear that watch. And then... That's where you start to think back and you're like, oh, I've always noticed these things. I just didn't know exactly what was going on. And I remember thinking, okay, I bet watches are expensive. And then I said, I don't know if they are $500 expensive or $5,000 expensive or $50,000 expensive. Yeah. I guess I'll find out. Yeah. Right. And then the interesting part from there was if I, I said to myself, well, I like that blue bond Seamaster. It do they still make it? Yeah. Can can I get can one? Can I get it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get it. And then one? do I want the version? You know, I have to figure out. I have to take the temperature of the room here and figure out is the version with the 007 second hand cool or is that lame? Like I don't want to be the lamo who got the overly branded one when I could just get a plain old one and it'll be classy and classic and stylish forever. Or I could be the guy who got the movie premiere one and people would be like, nerd. Yeah. I, I don't want to yeah, be yeah. that guy unless it's super collectible, in which case I'm in, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but really, like you have to figure out it, that that was always the thing for me. I remember when I was getting involved and I was getting into the the real uh the the darling pieces, right? The SKX, the turtles and things like that. I was trying to figure out why certain ones were in higher demand and more expensive than others. Yeah. Right. Why were people paying more for a J serial SKX? Oh yeah. Right. Things like, yeah, I would, I did. It didn't make sense to me. I was trying to figure it out and it, it, through time you do. And you might have to ask, but, some it's people. A, but it's a learning curve. And if you don't have anybody Ugh. to ask, yeah, it's steep. That's a steep then, curve. Then it's, it's a challenge. And in some cases, it can be such an insurmountable challenge that you give up. And I think that that's where so many people end in their watch journey, right? This could be the make or break it moment. You find something that you like, you go into the research phase, you start looking for information, you start asking questions and either people are helpful and they give you the information or you're able to find it or it's not, or it's too much to learn. And then it becomes an issue where you're just like, you know what, I, I don't understand it, and you just leave it there. And this is kind of where I got roped into the conversation with my friends because, you know, I've been trying to push and push and push and get these people into, into watches for so many years, but for whatever reason, they were just apprehensive about it. And then in the last few months, I had a buddy finally, you know, he got a promotion at work, 
or was going through to get a promotion at work. So he's like, you know what? I'm finally going to do it. Let's go find something. And it, he ended up buying a black bag. And then that's when everyone's like, well, that's kind of cool. Like, why did you get this? And so the rest of the friend group is now like trying to all get watches at the same time, which is interesting. But this is where I got pulled into the conversation because they're like, okay, we're interested in this now. You've been you've known about this for, for many, many years. Be our be our Sherpa, if you will, be our spiritual guide through the watch journey. And I think if you don't have that or you don't have a way to find it, it can be very intimidating and a lot of people might just give up. Right. And that's where I kept getting hung up was there are certain watches you can't tell there's very different nuances about. Maybe the bezel at some point they switched over from aluminum to um ceramic you yeah know? exactly and, and in renders you really can't tell the difference and you're like why is this one two grand more and you're looking at movements you're looking at sizing you're you're just trying to figure it out and i remember a few times where i'd find a watch like for example the planet ocean and i'm trying to figure out why this one's less expensive than this one and i'm like oh this one is significantly smaller and people are not that into it i get it now but there were things i was like why is this so different yeah and there's just a ton of nuance i mean i remember Cole Pennington put out a picture. I think he put in his story and was like, this is a, like an under the radar classic or something. And it was, a, it was some Seiko diver vintage model. And it, it had something wild along the bottom of the dial. It was like made in Japan, like movement, Korea case, Taiwan or something like that. It, Malaysia, maybe <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but it was three different countries on the bottom of the dial. And I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. But as a normie, you would never notice that and you you would never find yeah. value in the nuance of that. And I think that's another part of the, the many layers of this hobby is finding the value in those nuances that some people would not even bat an eye at and say, why are you paying more for that? Where other people would. Like I see apparently the, the watch that you actually get when you are a Top Gun is not the same watch as they sell as the Top Gun with the, the little special marking on it from IWC. Oh, I believe that. I believe that. So, and I've seen, I think, I think I saw it. I think it was today. I saw watches at espionage that a pretty cool. I don't know what Blackwater is, but it was a Breitling with this yeah, yeah. bear claw on it. And, and yeah. the, the military stamps are so cool, but like you would never know why some of them are valuable and some of them are not. And that's probably because some of them are ready, readily available to the public and other ones you have to actually have some cojones to earn, right? Well, and, and just so you know, Blackwater was probably one of the most infamous or notorious government contractor military organizations that was basically fighting during the Iraq and Afghanistan war. Okay. So a lot of guys would get pulled over, recruited for Blackwater and, there was a lot of good things that Blackwater contractors did and a lot of things that were kind of suspicious or, or suspect. Uh, I'm not going to pass judgment on it, but at least you understand there was a government contracting agency that that fought alongside, you know, uh, uh, troops in, in Afghanistan and Iraq. But those are the types of things that you would never know. Why would somebody pay more for this? And you say, oh, it has a cool, it's rare. It has a cool marking. But yeah, you had to earn this. That's why. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's that's what makes it neat for me, at least. Right. And then I know after, I guess, this research sort of honeymoon phase comes the anxiety phase, right? Where you're going to have to eventually go to, because everybody says, hey, you got to try it on, right? You got to try it on, or you got to try on a watch that wears like it or a watch that is akin to it. And yeah. this is where the butterflies start going in the tummy. Yeah. Because now you actually have to make a commitment. Yeah. 
you have to make a commitment. And one thing, at, at one point, it was all in your head. There was no, there was no, you know, no real buy-in. You didn't have to get in your car. You didn't have to drive down to the store and go f- meet somebody face to face and try it on. And now you do, because that's really the only way to to truly know. I know that there's a lot of people that buy watches completely sight on scene, uh, online every single day, and that's that's certainly okay. If you if you've done that, cool, great. But the vast majority of people need to see something. They need to try it on. They need to experience it. Um, and that's and that's really, really, really important. So without that, you don't really understand the experience itself. And you don't really know if you're going to like something. You have to try it on. Right. And I know some people can, with experience, buy things that sort of fit their their mode when it comes to a watch that they sort of know what they're getting into already. And maybe there'll be little things that will make or break their experience wearing that watch. But for the most part, they know it will fit within certain parameters that it would only be a a minuscule amount of judgment to make a call, whether they're going to keep it or not. Yeah. Yeah. But for people who don't know that stuff right now, you have to go and you have to, first of all, find a dealer for some people. That's difficult enough. Find a dealer that has watches you want. Then you're going to have to find one that hopefully will give you a good experience, which is not everybody, Correct. especially where I live. I mean, there's there's more of them, but you also have to be sort of choosy with who you're going to do business with at the end of the day. And then you have to make your approach, right? You're going to have to actually go through those doors, find a salesperson and say, hey, I, I want to do this and, yeah. and see what happens. And I know that's a kind of a gut-wrenching feeling. And it was funny when I had originally talked about finally making the commitment to go in, my friends were like, oh, let me loan you a watch to wear. So at least it looks like you pulled the trigger before and nobody's going to try to, you know, pull the wool over your eyes. And I was like, it's so funny. I was like, okay, okay. I literally did that to my buddy when he, (laughs) when he went into the store this past weekend to buy his watch. I literally gave him a a Hamilton watch of mine to, to put on his wrist to actually wear in there. And it was, you know, I didn't give it to him because I thought that, you know, somehow it would make him look like he would, you know, I just wanted him to experience it. And then he ended up buying the watch. So it was kind yeah. of, it was kind of interesting, but it's so funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. And I remember, I, I remember I went into, I, I, I didn't know anything. So we went to the mall, probably the worst place of all. Went to the mall. <laughs> we have, we have a, in our mall, we had a, it was a Rolex boutique attached to a Torno. And okay. that's where we went. And that was where I found the Tudor Pelagos that I ended up buying and it was pre-owned, but I remember it was very clean. I, I, and I tried it on and I remember that was how the hook really got set. And I was like, well, yeah. now I'm in trouble. And I remember talking to the salesperson and she was very nice and, and very friendly. And we wound up, uh, you know, hitting it off and being very kind of just friendly about it. She was, she was pretty young, you know? So at the time, I think I was 27, 28, something like that. Okay. So, so there was, it didn't feel like anybody was looking down on me from like maybe like an age standpoint or something. Like I, I felt like I was buying something from almost like a friend. Yeah. So I was nice. Yeah. I gotta say it was yeah, pretty not, good. Not a transaction. Right. It was, it felt like a good ex- experience as opposed to, yeah. Uh, you want to buy this? Like, all right, come over here, you know, come over here, yeah. Sonny. So that was yeah, good. And, um, and that's, and that's the make or break moment for a lot of people in the retail experience, because a lot of, a lot of these stores, especially nowadays, you know, customer service has changed a lot, especially in, in lieu of COVID. Yes. And and I feel like more people are less likely to help you because 
they don't really have to try anymore to buy watches for that people too. to buy watches. Certainly. Like a lot of people just buy them because it's what they want. And very, very few people have to actually really work hard to make somebody excited about getting a watch. And I think that's a huge mistake from a retailer's perspective. No matter what, we should always be trying to 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 encourage people, make them have a great experience because that's what brings them back. You know, that's what keeps people in engaged and wanting to come back and 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 buy and and share the experience with you. I think that's really, really important. Uh that said, you know, so many times, you know, and I think that was a big hurdle too for a lot of my friends because you know, my buddy who just bought a watch this weekend, going through the process, he went to several different retailers and and all the times he he would tell me he's like, Hey, you know, so this was the play by play. Had a guy that walked in and and basically nobody talked to him for 10 minutes. Yeah. Because they assumed that he couldn't buy anything, which I think is so messed up. And that happens so often that it's just, it's really sad, but that's so many people's experience. Yeah. Especially, especially nowadays where you have, you know, sort of the, uh, I don't know what you call them, the, the, like the people who made crazy money in something, whether it was, you know, stocks or crypto or something and they, they wear like sweatpants every day just because they can yeah. like like you see mark zuckerberg walking around in sweatpants and like sandals all the time yeah <laughs> like I imagine mean, he goes into a store and people are like oh this bum can't afford anything and you're like oh <laughs> yeah i mean look at look at like you know somebody like steve jobs right he yeah. made the turtle the turtleneck and new balance you know sneakers cool right you know people like that you really can't judge a book where it's covered because you just don't know who's going to be able to buy something or or purchase anything. And and uh, so many people have that experience where they don't, they get profiled. Yeah. And and it's really messed up because there's a lot of people who just get turned off from the whole buying experience because nobody takes them seriously, and that's really sad. Right. So imagine, like, imagine I I went to go in there, nobody talked to me, and I just walked right out, and I said, well, I guess I guess this isn't for me. Yeah. Right there, door cl- door closed. Right, it's too nope. pretentious. Nobody wants to take me seriously. Nobody this is an issue because nobody wanted to help. Yeah, <laughs> I always, I almost wanted to. I, I don't know if that person even still works there, but I, I wanted to go back in there one day and be like, "Hey, do you know what happened? Because I bought that Pelagos from you." <laughs> I started a, a, a meme page that became a global phenomenon. You might follow me. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. So then from there, I mean, the experience has to be good. And I think that that's certainly something that that turns people on or, or turns people off, certainly. But I think the next thing, what would you say, bro? What, what would you think would be the next? Well, I think from there, you, you've tried it on. Now comes sort of the, in, the internal struggle, right? The mental gymnastics. Yes. How do we rationalize it to ourselves? How do we justify making that purchase? Because all of a sudden... We've had the experience. We've tried the things on. We've liked what we've seen so far. We we've gotten the hook a little bit, but now we have to it, we have to come to the realization that we need to we need to basically do the thing, yeah, and make the purchase. And that's where things get sometimes a little bit too real. Yeah, especially if it's in a price range that's out of your comfort zone. I mean, I know the oh yeah the, the Pelagos. I mean, I think I think it was a little over three grand. It was uh, it was a bit of a, a gut check. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's not an insurmountable amount of money. I had a job, it's okay, but like at the same time, I had never, aside from buying my car, which I had saved up a bunch of money for a down payment for, for months and months. Like this was a 
an unnecessary purchase of an outdated technology that yep. I didn't even know I was if I was going to be attached to long term. <laughs> so like, so yeah. it's a little yeah, bit, of a a bit of a mental gamble, check. right? Like, right. Yeah. So so there's a lot of mental gymnastics that go into that, justifying the value, justifying shelling out that kind of money, taking out your card or cash or checkbook, whatever, and making that transaction. It's uh, it can be a little nerve wracking. I I totally yeah. get it, but uh. It, it, I guess it's part of the fun, right? I guess it's part of the fun is being like, am I really going to do this? Am I going to do this? Am I going to jump? Right? It's like going off a diving board, right? You're you're ten feet up, and you're saying, am I am I going to jump? Am I going to am I going to leap off something that's ten feet high into water that I know if I land wrong is going to hurt? Yeah, <laughs> I remember my first time. I I don't like heights, so that was a a, a memorable moment for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But similar in those regards. Uh, so you're going through the mental gymnastics. And then I guess what you do before you go back to that AD is you, you're going to have to look around and see if you can get it for cheaper online, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? You're going to see if you, if it takes a hit used because that's going to change your mindset. Right? And then you're going to see maybe I can get it gray market cheaper, like as far as like a Joma shop or somebody, mm-hmm. you know, which comes with its own set of double-edged sword, whatever. But you got to shop around, I guess, bottom line, you have to, especially with things like this, you have to shop around. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, in the shopping around process too, you know, you're also going to do that last minute review. You need the justification for yourself as well as part of making that mental, yes. mental gymnastics things happen. You're going to start looking at all the Teddy Baldessar videos on this watch that you can, you're going to start reviewing all the things that you can find. And of course, you're going to start looking for pricing to see if it's possible to get somewhere else. But this is kind of the final step, right? This is the last bit of things that are necessary to do before you finally make the big purchase happen. And I think we've all been there. And it's it's one of my my favorite times. It's also one of my most uh, uh, nauseating times because it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this but I need to make sure that I'm doing the right thing first. Is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? I think I got it. Let's do it. You know? I do know. And I remember, I remember I, I I went to make a payment on it on my computer. I must've left it open. I remember my, my wife, who's my girlfriend at the time was like, what's that charge for? And I was like, none of your business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh boy again at, at that time there was uh, i didn't have to justify it that time yeah for now sure. maybe a little different but i was like uh you know it's just a little, little something a little something i was saving my money for and uh now i gotta pay it off so but there there does come that that reality check when you're putting up that much money and then after that you know it's time to pull the trigger yeah time to get down and dirty and you gotta do it it's it's make or break and that's you know it, it could be the best decision of life it could be the worst decision of your life yep, yep. i think most of us would probably agree that it's been an amazing decision but also not without its own heartaches we all wish we would have a little bit more money in our pockets without all the watches that we spent you might have seen that meme this week <laughs> yes i did i did <laughs> with ralph wagon but he's like I was like, if you imagine if you just stopped at SKX, how much money you'd have? And yeah, 
No, I mean something I, I think don't, about. I don't. I don't want to think about it. I don't, don't want to think about it. It's something that crossed my mind time to time. But that that's real. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't want to think about it. That's a yeah. That's a dark place. I don't want to go to. But yeah, I, I just mean, want to be happy and buy more watches. Yeah, I I realize maybe my experience has been a little strangely different from other people, but I have to say I've definitely had a lot of interesting doors open. Not not opportunity wise, just um, interest wise as far as things I've gotten into or things I've explored because of making a an unnecessary luxury purchase. So I guess the, it, yeah. it's definitely made life a little more interesting. So I guess I can never really regret it in that regard. Oh, I don't, I don't regret it one bit either. I don't, I think it, it's, it's certainly not without its financial burdens, but I think it's been one of the most extremely cool experiences, you know, and we've talked about this before, you and I have both done incredible things. We've met incredible people. We've done incredible experiences. And it's all because of something that's archaic that we decided to buy, wear, and and get in, involved with. And I think that that's really, really interesting. Yeah, and I guess that brings it to your big moment of, you know, there's a show that my wife watches called Love It or List It. <laughs> where i mean yeah. this this it's a little different of a situation but the the concept applies is that you're either going to love this thing or you're going to put it on chrono 24 <laughs> right but i mean the show is about uh people who fix their house up and then they either have yeah. to stick with it or buy a new one and mm-hmm, somebody shows mm-hmm. them both but in this case so you have this watch now it's time to decide is this my long-term baby or Am I not that thrilled with it? And I'm going to move it on because let's face it, servicing a watch is not that cheap. No, not you at are all. committing. If you're going to keep it that long and you're going to want to take care of it, because God forbid you do have to sell it eventually. You do want to be able to say, I took care of this thing. I service it properly. You know, everybody, I always get a little leery of what, if I'm buying a watch, that's in excess of five, 10 years old. And it's, Oh, service history unknown. All right. Well, you know, at least if you're buying from a, <laughs> Generally, if you're buying from a website or a secondhand dealer, they've had it serviced by their watchmaker at least. Who or at least hope, looked at. Yeah. At least looked at. Who you hope is competent, but still <laughs> at least at least there was effort put into there. And I'm not going to say that that's a great thing because you know, I've I've had even uh my homie from uh, DC Vintage, he's he's pointed out like the eBay guarantee says might have secondhand parts in it. Yeah. Even though it's an authenticity guarantee. Yep. So like there are some gray areas and a little blurred lines here and there with with depending who you're dealing with, but it, I I would always say it's better to have it have been looked at than service history not, unknown. Yeah, I don't sure. I don't know if this was fished out of a cracker jack box type of situation. Where the movement was swapped, I've seen that before. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 gut wrenching. Yeah, I mean, some things you wouldn't know unless you opened it up and saw the serials match, right? Well, I'm not even that. Like there was a there was a guy who um, when I was you know working at the store. Uh, there was a guy who bought a a 300 meter from somebody online and he brought it in for his first service and we cracked it open and it wasn't an omega movement it was a seiko movement wow literally the entire movement was swapped i mean like wh- what do you do so could now i know some people will not do business with something that they consider to be counterfeit. Now, this is not a counterfeit watch. Did they set him up so, with a new so movement? It, no. I mean, so basically, and this is the policy of a lot of brands. If there's no way to prove the provenance of it, 
because there's no movement internal, then it, they don't they don't consider it as authentic. Okay, even though the case and bracelet are authentic. Understandable. And that's even that's even true of uh, of other manufacturers. Like there was a there was a company way way back in the day. Some of our older listeners may have may have heard of it, but there was a company called Ashford Watches, and their company policy was whenever they would take these watches in or they would buy them, they would intentionally remove the serial numbers from both the movement and the case. Okay. Now, why? I have absolutely no idea, but I can't imagine it's uh for for legal reasons <laughs> or for authenticity reasons. Um, but their company policy was they would, you know, super discount these watches, but they removed all provenance that it even existed. They would literally etch lines through serial numbers. Wow. On both the movement and the case and you know, as far as I remember, and this may be different now, but Omega's old policy was if the movement number was removed from the case, but it was still visible on the movement, they would service it. But if it was removed from the movement, they couldn't. Or if it was removed from both, they couldn't. Something, something like that. I don't really remember exactly, but something like that. Yeah, I always wonder about that because I know company to company whatever they it's all different but i ah, imagine imagine you have a 300 year with for the, the sake the, of movement. the worst the worst heartache ever right and so i mean hopefully and i don't think i don't think that's a as common as we hope it is not but you know that's what they always say man buyer beware it's a, it's a real thing and obviously yep. that's the kind of the double edge, the rub of the the forums, right? You, you're kind yeah. of taking somebody's word for it. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not sure. I've even seen, because I like to peruse once in a while the deals gone wrong section for my own entertainment. Oh, sort God. of a sadistic no, no, trait of mine. Horrible. That's horrible. But I've seen deals where it was like, you know, very well-regarded, trusted person scammer. And I'm like, oh, damn. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. I don't know if it's... You know, desperation is a real thing. Situations get weird. Times get tough. I mean, what was that famous YouTuber that went dark? Horology House. <laughs> <laughs> Horology House, baby. Yeah. I mean, there you go. So. And I guess if you're keeping it. Now comes the fun part. What? How long is how long is too short? start looking at your next watch that is the golden question right the age old mystery yeah you know i don't know i i would say for me it depends on the price of the watch like if you buy a big boy purchase watch maybe you wait a year or two to, to do something about it or to look at something something new but i mean i had a buddy of mine who just bought that black bay a couple months back and he already was looking for pulling the trigger on a new watch, like literally just this weekend. And it's maybe been a few months, maybe. So I think it just depends on the person, depends on your financial resources and what you have you know, access to. But at the end of the day, I think it just comes up to the person, you know, and, and what you're, what you want. Yeah. It's, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I, I think it's no. very person to person. Ugh, I just, my advice to people who, I know personally who buy their first, I'll, I'll throw the quotes up real watch. 
I honestly just tell them to just enjoy it. I say, you can look at other stuff. I said, but just enjoy that. Just figure yeah. out what you love about this watch, what you don't like about this watch. Just go through the phases of wearing it every single day. And what I love it. Yeah. What gets you going? What turns you off? Cause that's going to be big in your next few purchases and going down the line, buying things, you'll make less mistakes. I think. Yeah. I mean, well, eventually you, you you're going to have to find go, out what you like. You eventually know, you you're going to have like. to go in a completely different direction where like you might say, I, I'm kind of into Panerai now. And that's like yeah. a way off the reservation watch for you. And you have nothing to compare that to. And I guess that's understandable. But if you're buying watches in the sort of 38 to 42 range and you're keeping it to, I don't know, three handers or divers or things like that, like you, you can't go too astray. Whereas if you're buying, you know, a chunky chronograph or you're buying something vintage or you're buying something sort of out of the the ordinary large, like a big pilot or a luminor, like then things get a little hazy. But I, I tell them to find out what they really love about the watch first and what they yeah. really don't love about it. And that can sort of mold their decision making going forward. I agree. And I think that that's I think that that's perfect and sound advice. Yeah, take it from somebody who's, who who made that mistake, right? I right <laughs> after I got that Pelagos, I was like, "Oh man, Tudor is such a great brand." I was like, "I think I'll just go and pick up a North Flag." Like <laughs> a couple months later, just go full throttle, full. Yeah, throttle. I, I, I again, I, I, I feel like I want to write a memoir about my stupidity in watch collecting and just have it be like the the playbook of what not to do. But <sighs> I'd read it. Yeah, I, I think it would be fun to be honest. But. <laughs> but I, I remember going through that myself and I remember getting that watch and, and saying to myself, Oh damn, you know, at the time I, again, I wasn't, I wasn't as savvy. I didn't know as much. I, I just assumed that if you bought a watch from the same brand, they came with the same fancy bells and whistles. So when I got it, I was like, Oh, this bracelet doesn't quick adjust. Cause obviously the Pelagos bracelet is amazing. It's got the quick adjust. You pull out the spring, you pop it right back in, bang, micro adjust yeah. it. I was like, oh, this doesn't have that. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yep. Right? Yep. Like, again, I was a newbie. I didn't know. I didn't know any different. Yeah. I didn't know better. So, I mean, and, and that's, and that's, uh, that's why we record this, you know? We do. We, we want, do. we want people to, to share those experiences. And, and guys out there, if you're listening to this and you are newbies and, or you want to share your story, you know, hit us up, message us. Yeah. You know, we talk with people of- all the time. There's a lot of people that DM us on the regular. And if you're one of those, you know, thank you for your, for your comments and your DMs and your engagement. And if you're new, drop us a line. We love talking with you guys. Bro or I will, will either respond. Bro's usually a little bit better than me because he's probably updating his own account at the same time. Yeah, spend a fair amount of time on the phone. <laughs> a little bit more than me when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, one of us will drop you a line and, and message back. We always try to do that keep you guys engaged and and you know as you guys have known before for those of you who have listened sometimes we'll we'll turn your questions and feedback into episodes so um, yeah or you know give you fatherly advice that was this week <laughs> give you fatherly <laughs> advice exactly fatherly advice for your first watch indoctrination <sighs> and then i guess last of all is what's my next watch oof right yeah. Do you go? Here's always the tough thing for me because then you start to fancy yourself. Am I am I a collector? And if I am, do I go with a theme or do I just pick and choose? Right. Some people yeah. are like, I really like divers. I'm gonna be a diver collector. 
right? There are people out there who just collect Speedmasters, for example. Yeah. Right? There's enough nuance there to, I mean, there's a ton, but am I going to be a person who I just collect this type of watch? Am I going to be a pick and choose? Am I going to be a, okay, I'm going to get a very athletic and colorful diver and then I'm going to go pick up something from Cartier. Then yeah. I'm going to go grab something from Panerai, right? Am I going to be all over the damn place? I don't know. You know, you get you you sort of have to make that decision, look in the mirror, and say, "I guess who am I?" Right? That's that's kind of the the interesting. Who am I? Who am I? As a collector, oh, I'm a collector yeah. now, right? But <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and I think that that's that's one of those things that that you can only really come to that conclusion once you've enjoyed that first watch. When you know what you want, what you don't want, and you've gone through that process. And I think the 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 next watch purchase is really an introspective look as to, okay, this is my first experience. I did this, this, and this. Maybe I would change something about the experience. Maybe I would change something about what I got. And maybe that leads to a different type of purchase in the future. You know, so many of us start out with dive watches or or sports watches of some sort. And then, you know, you start getting the edge. Well, maybe, maybe a dress watch is in order or maybe a vintage is in order or something like that that gets you you know into that niche aspect and i think that's really important but i think really for most people that comes after that first watch purchase when you start to think back to what you would do differently and that's the process for me i think that's a process for me as well and looking back i think that's the advice i would give to my my former self is just take time take time yeah you know i mean it would I don't know if that'll be great advice because at the time you could have picked up, you know, a, a used sub five grand, I think. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if take think time about was a days. wise decision, <laughs> but take time enjoying what you're getting into. That's, yes. That's more. Enjoy so. the process more than anything. Enjoy yeah. the, the uh, experience. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah. So. I'm sure there's a, there are other levels of Dante's Inferno that we we haven't touched on, but I think we've, we've mapped this one out pretty good. So I yeah. think with that, we can put a cap on this episode. Thank you all for listening. As always, we will catch you next week. Schmitty, be good. Thanks, guys. Bye.